one. And we are recording to discuss uh, all things hate speech and terrorist symbols. So the FBI will uh, approve us and the SJWs will approve us. And uh, we won't be sharing gads and flags or the American flags, which are clearly hate symbols, because that's the world we live in. And on that positive note, uh, 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 Darren and Nicole, guys, please introduce yourselves. I'm Nicole Ackley. I'm on the Wicomico County Council. I'm Darren Lombardo. I'm running for school board at large here in Wicomico County. And so, um, Nicole, we'll start with you. You said that you 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 get you got involved and. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You pretty much upset the like existing order of the local school board. Yeah, so I I was appointed to the county council four years ago, and then I ran a special election two years after that. But when I got on when I got onto the council, there was a another member who said, you know, Nicole, I need you to talk to one of my constituents. He's he's very vested in the schools and he's he's into you know looking at data and researching things just like you are. You know, I think you two really need to connect. And so I called Darren and introduced myself. Yeah, I remember that's that when it day. started. Yeah. <laughs> and we were probably on the phone for well over an hour. And we couldn't believe how much, as far as experience goes, with the public school system as a parent. And so it created this connection as to, you know, there's some serious issues in the school that we have to address. And so it, it was really good because we were all on the same page and we met other people as well who were also on the same page. So um, it's kind of one of those things where, where you can hear about it or read about it and there's sort of like tropes and stereotypes versus when you actually talk to someone who's been there done that. like I went to I went to school at the University of Georgia but before that I went to Valdosta State University in southern southern Georgia and the only way I can explain it is it's a time capsule from pre-1865 and going there and after about two weeks that's when I, I was really I had like the innocence torn away from my eyes and I was like oh there is still racism like because I had never seen it in suburban Atlanta, I was like, well, I'm in the South and I don't see it. So it doesn't exist. Going to school in Valdosta, Georgia, I was like, oh, my God, like it is OK. It is very real. And I kind of had egg on my face. It's one of those things where when you see it firsthand, you know, it's real. And you kind of have to shift your worldview and be like, no, it it is real. No, I've, I've seen it. This was in 2010. This was 80 years ago. This is, you know, everyone had iPhones and, you know, taking Ubers and just races beyond explanation um so when you guys actually start poking around it's not just some right-wing trope i mean there really is like ground up indoctrination in these schools absolutely and it's and you know when darren and i first first started talking and sharing ideas it wasn't we weren't even touching on sure indoctrination like that just evolved over time because we were putting pieces of the puzzle together and how it was working within the school system. Initially, we started talking um, because of grade change, grade fixing. 
And you know, it just evolved from there until we really could put the whole picture together. Well, that it kind of, again, it's like, you know, when I went to Valdosta, no part of me was like, and now I'm here to look for races. And I was like, dude, I'm 19 and I'm just, there's women and I don't have to live with my parents anymore. <laughs> but it was so apparent. It was like, this is what I've found. It was just like, there was no, per- I was a biology major. It wasn't like I was doing hot take journalism. It was so overwhelming. That it was like, I can't. So when I talk about when I would talk about it, I'd come home from school and I'd be like, you can't not talk about it. It is so insane. That's mm-hmm. kind of what y'all are getting at. It's like, you guys didn't go there with some like, we're going to root out these commies. It's like you got there looking at grade fixing. It's like, by the way. Yeah. And why are they grade fixing? What's what's yeah. the reason behind it? Who are they grade fixing for? OK, well. Yeah. And then you look deeper and you're like, oh, this is hammer and sickle shit. Mm hmm. It's very disturbing because what tends to happen is those who are against, or I should say want to quelch the truth, they flip the narrative. They make it out so that those who are for liberties and freedoms, they're the terrorists. And the ones that are actually the terrorists are the ones pointing the finger. And so it is incredible what you see through the truth, Uh, not only in grade fixing, but in the programs in the school, how they divide people into groups, uh, very divisive. And when they, when you look at that and you see, well, why did they take driver's ed out of the high school? Why do they do this? Why did they do that? And you look at simple things that people need to succeed. They want to define a vulnerable population and they want to keep them vulnerable and then convince them that they're victims and that they're oppressors out there keeping them in that state. It is the school system. It is uh, the hierarchy of, uh, of the establishment that wants to keep them there. And the school system wants to keep them there to keep the grant funding rolling in so that, that they, yeah, so that they can keep putting band-aids on problems without getting to the root source. And so we're about getting to the root cause. We're about opportunities We're about um, um, providing ways so that excuses are removed in life and that no matter who you are or where you're from, you're going to have equal access and equal opportunities in education. We need to remove their excuses so that everyone has the opportunity to be something. So um, that's what I was going to ask is to play devil's advocate. Um, because we're all sort of in agreement that these school boards are just infested with dirty communists that anyone who's not in that mindset is probably going to immediately reject this conversation. So to play devil's advocate, um, sometimes it's not always a top-down system. Like one of the things I remember learning in like biology is called the hydrophobic effect. And it was where you would see these things within cells or whatever. They'd clump together, which is what a molecule or a protein. And like for the first 50 years of studying these things, they'd be like, oh, this is a grouping of whatever. But then as they went on and on, they started to realize it wasn't that these things were being, these weren't grouped together. It was that they were all, uh, they were water hating, hydrophobic, which means because the water, the cell is mostly water, it would push all of them together. So they didn't want to all be together. They just were by virtue of the fact that they didn't like water, which doesn't sound like much, but it does completely change it when you realize it's not working in unit. It looks the same. It looks this, like the same thing, a group of molecules working in unison, but it's completely different. They're not working in unison. They all just hate everything else. And so they're pushed together. 
So when we're looking at this, just to play devil's advocate about top-down system, if they want you disenfranchised, they want learned helplessness, they don't want you to be autonomous or to overcome boundaries, they want you to have an oppressor. So instead of blaming yourself and like my favorite quote, nobody cares, work harder. They don't want that. They want X, Y, and Z is oppressing you. Is there, could there be just to play devil's advocate, could there be a hydrophobic effect in that it's, it's not a top-down communist system, but rather it's people that want to keep grant funding coming in. Well, it's, it, it encapsulates a lot of things. And um, really what it comes down to is we're to have unity in the community. Our community is made up of all sorts of people. Together, we live and work together. It's part of the economy, everything. They want to split the atom and create an explosion. Uh, and, and they do that by grouping people, dividing the community and pitting against each other. And that's not what we're to do. We're to bring people together. And so it is crucial that what we see or what I see happening as far as dissecting the curriculum, it's socialist Marxism embedded in the, in the curriculum. And when you see it and people say, oh, I don't see that in this assignment, it's sprinkled throughout. And when you assemble it all together, you see the big picture of what they're trying to do. And everything is oppressor versus the oppressed. And it's very disturbing when you see that in the curriculum. People say, there's no CRT. CRT is, is a college level class. They're not, there's no CRT in the schools. And just so people understand, CRT is not taught in the grade schools. Its ideology is embedded into the curriculum. And so that's where people try to convolute the fact of CRT. And we as a school system, we as a society, we're not to be critical of anyone's race or anyone's gender, or anyone's identity. We're not to be critical of that. And when we're critical of it, we create discrimination and we establish prejudices within the community. And that's not what we need to do as a school system. It's kind of like when people criticize, they're like, why are you against teaching kids about, you know, homosexuality? And it's like, it's not that it's the homosexuality and heterosexual. Like, leave, leave the kids alone. You, you fucking perverts, like stop looking at it. And so it's the same thing. Like, it's not that I think anyone's against like teaching about when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply you know, uh, historic, like racial discrimination. It's like, dude, just teach them math. Like stop doing the whole white man bad. That's not, it's just in general, Nicole. It, it's so, it's so financially driven because what better way to control and manipulate people is to keep them uneducated, keeping them suppressed, making them think they're suppressed. They can't achieve. I mean, when we were looking at the school's budget, it was an astronomical amount of money they were spending on consultants to address issues that we don't even have. So what better, what better way to, to get more, to get more funding is to create problems mm -hmm. and keep those problems going. Yeah. Um, uh, to kind of talk about what it is in general, could you guys give some like specific, you said, you know, driver's ed, 
could you talk more specifically about some of these things that are it's kind of like right you can almost predict you've seen it over the last two years there's that sort of timeline of how things go subject a topic a starts as topic a is a far-right conspiracy theory and then it turns to uh topic a is uh topic a is true and here's why that's a good thing and then finally topic a is good if you question it you're a terrorist i mean i think it was like last night there was some senator or someone who was like like the mask came off he was like the deep state does exist and what it is is it's a group of professionals who defend the constitution now there are americans who want to vote people in who follow their edicts think about that there are americans who want to vote people in who that's voting (laughs) you want to vote for the guy that's like hey i'm going to fix the pothole you vote him in he fixed the pothole. You want LBJ and his great society. That's fine. If you want Reagan and spending a bunch of money against Soviet Union, that that is voting. But you can start to see the shift of the deep state's a conspiracy theory Two, mm-hmm. the deep state is good. You like, we saw it right after the 2020 election. Here's how the deep state saved the election. And finally, you're seeing we're at part three. The deep state's good. There are. Can you believe there are Americans out there that want to vote people in to back their that's voting. So kind of shifting from that is there anything within the curriculum you saw where the mask starts to come off where you go from this doesn't exist to this does exist and it's a good thing to finally how dare you question this you devilish white man sure well you see all sorts of things in the curriculum when you dig i'll just give an example an article was actually put up probably about a week ago and it was about socialist marxism in the Wicomico County school system. And the English teacher had an assignment called Keeping Up with the Joneses. And it talked about those who have, or I should say really the summary of it, those who have should pretty much be ashamed of themselves. And because it makes people that don't have feel bad for what other people have, uh, it's shaming that and establishing victimhood instead of saying hey if you work hard if you have opportunity if you follow through with things you can have a nice house someday too but it's it's about tearing at the fabric of the american dream and it it is absolutely uh, atrocious the things that they do and they're constantly hammering the kids with this mindset Uh, They'll actually take, it's a certain point of view, by the way, when it comes to critical theory. As the instructors apply that to whatever they're teaching, it could be English, it could be uh, history, uh, even math now. Math can be racist is what they're teaching. And so when you look at that, it's the way they look at it and the way they present it. And it's presented from, I would say, a corrupt point of view. And it all has a standard in its application, in its view. Some people refer to it as a lens. Uh, It's it's an application. It's a point of view. And so points of view can be tampered with. It could be changed. If you're standing on the other side of a room and you're looking at something, you have a different point of view, Mm -hmm. Uh, even though we can be looking at the same thing. But the person across the room can say, well, I see it differently. Well, there's still an absolute in all things, and their objective is to twist the absolutes to make America irredeemably racist and to undermine the Constitution. That, that's what it all comes down to. But there's something a little bit stupid with the books. 
because like I, I remember that was maybe three years ago and the Pepe Le Pew assignment came out, right? <laughs> and and uh, so, you know, I'm, it's all about how Pepe Le Pew is this misogynist, right? So I'm emailing the principal saying that this is total bullshit and this is ridiculous. They're giving this assignment to my son. And I remember us talking to one of the school board members about it, dismissed it. Nicole, you're just, you know, you're overreacting. You're being a difficult parent. Darren, you're, you're too nebby, whatever. You know, then we fast forward another year and we've got these, we've got books in the schools where they're just, where we have you know, ninth, 10th graders reading about explicit anal sex between two men. You know, we quickly evolved to that. Yeah. Then, it, you know, it's like, it, it was kind of this, oh, we're just conspiracy theorists. But then all these, all these like so-called conspiracies all played out to the point now where we have a book they just approved um, written for a fourth grade curriculum called Ban This Book. And it's the uprise of society because these kids don't want to have their books banned. So they disobey their parents to get the books back in the school. I mean, it's, it's really sick. And it's, it, and it's it, right. Like we were thought of as being these like paranoid conspiracy people, but every year it all happened. It all evolved. And you know, what was disturbing about ban this book is the author uses innocent books like Goosebumps and some other books to make it look like us parents are after the innocent books. And we're not after the innocent books, so we're after the sexually explicit books that um, go across the line of appropriate. And appropriateness yeah. is, is relative to the person judging a particular situation. And that's why a new school board that has a, considered a thermometer, a moral compass, a gauge to determine what's appropriate, because we don't have that right now. They have rigged the curriculum screening committees with administration and people that they want with a corrupt uh, moral compass to approve what is inappropriate, in my opinion. And again, it's 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 not that there's it's not that there's people screaming, you know, homophobia is bad if two men look whatever. No, it's 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 leave it till you're an adult. I don't care if it's if it's if it's vaginal intercourse or anal intercourse if you're under eight like don't don't talk about it it's right. this it's and you know it's bad when you have to hide behind things like that i've had on here several times i know this is a bit of a dramatic example but i don't fuck these people i don't care i've had on basil baz before former cia paramilitary officer like real black op stuff and he retired and now he just straight up hunts pedophiles he's like the coolest guy in the world He's like 65. He's like John Wick, like salt and pepper John Wick. And uh, he always talks about, he goes, there's always a difference. He goes, sometimes you'll, and he's been doing this since the early nineties. Sometimes you'll like apprehend someone and you realize like they're not all there. Right. It's someone who like, you know, they, their shoes are literally on the wrong feet. You know, their house is full of, you know, they like, they defecate in the living room and you realize this person's like a, a paranoid schizophrenic. And you have to stop them because they're a pedophile. But at the same time, it's like this is someone that actually needs care versus when you meet someone that goes to great lengths to hide what they do. Someone that they didn't just flash the, you know, flash two girls at a playground, but they would kidnap, rape, kill and bury the body. That's someone that knows exactly what they're doing. That's someone who's hiding. There's a reason why the Nazis burned all of their documents or tried to flush them because they weren't just. Well, we were just no, no, no. They knew what they were doing. They were evil. They were competent, and they were evil. 
to me, that is the kind of chilling thing is when you find these, it's not just outright that you walked in there and they're like, oh yeah, no, this is the book we're teaching about anal sex. And if someone did that, I might actually give them the benefit of the doubt. I was like, oh, this is just a, you know, this is just someone who's just showing biology. It's when first they deny and then they obscure it kind of like those, you know, terrorists that hold up a kid so you don't shoot them. It's, well, this isn't, you know, this is goosebumps. This is SpongeBob. And then you finally get in there and then the mask comes off and he goes, well, you're just a racist. You're just a bigot. That to me is the most guilty thing. That's the red hand. That's the kid with the cookie jar. It happens all the time. Some of these books that talk about these inappropriate subjects, a lot of them are written, some of them are written by black authors. And so they immediately created diversion and say, yeah, oh, they want to ban the book because the author is black. And, oh, they want to ban the book because the author is homosexual. That has nothing to do with it. It's the content of the book, whether the person's white, black. Uh, it doesn't matter their sexual orientation to me. Once that hits the paper and the school system, by the way, does not follow process and procedure. They take these books they, and some of them are given to the school system by uh, activist organizations. They, they shove them in the libraries in the school. And the library in the school is not a public library, by the way. I say that all the time. And they put this in there. And then when a parent challenges it or administration is asked to remove it, all of a sudden, people will say, oh, you're taking the First Amendment rights away from the author. And you're taking the First Amendment rights of the student. And you can't remove that. Well, what? let's focus on how they got there to begin with. No one wants to go there. And I've done digging and I found out there's a lot of these, lot of these books were not ordered through process. They were not approved. They just place them in there and they're still doing it to this day. And they want to make it an issue of the process. But uh, they're doing this more like mind manipulation of these black officials too. But just don't get it. Because I feel like we've had so many conversations with all of our elected officials, delegates, senators, and county council members, all of our school board members. And it was, we, we heard the same thing. And now we're, you know, at pornographic material in our schools and they're like, oh no, we have to get it out of the school. Well, we were giving you those examples four years ago of how it was coming. And you were thinking we were just- Well, there's two components paranoid. to this. So I... how are they being mentally manipulated into believing this really isn't happening, Okay, right? so there's two things, there's two components to this. They're either in denial, they're afraid of be call, be, be, being called a racist, because that's the ultimate card that's thrown at people, so they're afraid of that and they avoid it, or they're part of the problem. They know it's there, um, they welcome it, so, you know, there's like three components to it. Ding, ding, so, ding. Yeah, so, it's just that they don't have the bandwidth to, like, process the information, because I feel like we have talked to, I mean, I, probably the 20 elected people we talked to, maybe we got it, we got it. I, I'd I'd respectfully disagree based just on I always find it with this podcast and it's it's sad because it's the good nature of people to give mm -hmm. other people the benefit of the doubt you go I don't know if it was that what you have to realize is these people aren't there are stupid people by all means <laughs> but when you see a politician or an official do something or a business how how stupid is a how stupid is the CEO of Goldman Sachs? Always tells me it's like Nicole. Sometimes there's just people out to do harm. Well, I mean, you see, like a, a CEO of Goldman Sachs or Lehman Brothers in 2008. Does anybody go? These idiots had no, these idiots tanked the economy. 
These guys are brilliant. They're Harvard PhDs with gold-plated G6 jets and yachts 100 yards long in the Caribbean. They're not stupid. If you call them stupid, that's a get-out-of-jail freak. Sorry, Mom and Dad. I stole your alcohol. I thought it was juice. My dad will punch me in the fucking mouth if I said that. No, you didn't. You stole this, you little shit. So although I'm sure there are some people that are actually just unaware because I meet them all the time, and I've been that person before where I am blissfully unaware. The fact that it's not that they lack the bandwidth. They know exactly what they're doing. They're giving you the runaround because, again, back to Baz, they know what they're doing is wrong. They're not. If they had nothing to hide, they would sit there and just openly debate it with you and be like, well, we're teaching this about tolerance, that, that, and the other thing. The fact that they go, oh, no, it's not really happening. They're hiding it. They're hiding the, it's the buried body under the, it's the John Wayne Gacy with the body under the house. Oh, no. How many times did we hear this? This is really not happening. Well, they, but they approve it. When you dig deep and you yeah, go they're back, complicit. they're approving it and signing the dotted lines, and, and it's extremely disturbing. They're part of the problem. See, and if, if they're afraid to be called a racist or they're afraid to be called whatever, then we don't need them in office, okay? You can call me anything you want. I've been called everything under the sun. You can call me, yeah. you can call me a white supremacist. You can call me, that does not work with me, okay? Yeah. I deal with absolutes. I am not intimidated by anyone. And we just need to do what we have to do, serve the people and stand on absolutes, period. It's not always easy to do, but if, um, if we can't do that, then we don't belong in office. If you can get bullied by the word you're a racist, then no, you don't belong anywhere, let alone the formation of a child's formative mind. Like, holy shit. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a pedophile walking up to some girls and the dad goes, hey, leave my kids alone? He goes, oh, are you a bigot? Oh, I'm sorry, sir. No, the dad would shoot him dead. The, there is, that's the problem I have with it is, it's complicity. They know exactly what they're doing. They're I don't I would imagine they're probably not even actually scared of being called a racist. That's another facade they're throwing up. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing is gross. They know what they're doing can't be peddled out there in common society because it would be rejected. It has to be done in quiet. There is no it's they're sick. There's no way around it. They're yeah. sick. So that's why we're flipping the school board. Well, now let's get into that because you did like get that complete group of pedophile communists removed, right? And I speak for myself, not you guys. I don't want to slander anybody. I, I'll slander all day long. I don't give a shit. But you guys, right? I mean, you you did get most of that school board removed. Or the, was that Unical? Well, so the election. I, I mean, I wish I could say it was all me, but it was. I think it was Darren and I together. It was Darren okay. and I together getting it started and just exposing them, exposing them at every single angle on every single thing. We couldn't let anything go. We had to call them out on everything. Um, and he and Darren and I worked together a lot to to get information and put those puzzle pieces together. But so far, we've gotten rid of, what, three incumbents yes. that will not be coming back. Um, we got rid of the superintendent. We got a new superintendent. And the election's coming up. I think there's only one incumbent that may possibly come back. But we're going to com almost completely flip this yes, entire school board of seven school. members. And, and, you know, even if some of the incumbents are replaced by, um, you know, there might be a couple of Democrats that end up on there. You know what? That's OK, sure. because because, you know, the main thing is we had to get the old out of there and we need a new perspective. We need new people. And, you know, to have different mindsets that can work together and put solutions on the table, we're going to work together. But the but the main thing is that we have majority on the board. So even though we would take things into consideration, 
we can decide on curriculum, we can decide on uh, what we're gonna have in our school libraries, um, we can decide on all things. And so that's what matters to us. And we did that in three counties. And if someone wants to vote y'all out, they can come show that they're better at the position, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and that's, that's fine. That's what it's all about. Let, and it, let it stand up to, up to yeah, let it stand up to criticism. Yes. So yeah. that's what we're called to do as citizens, as parents. Um, we're tired of big government and we um, we need to work together to do what's right and the education of our children. Yeah. After this election, we will have flipped school boards in six of the Eastern Shore counties. And that's just the Eastern Shore that we know of. That's not even Baltimore County and Carroll County, but it's it's been a grassroots roots effort, but it's parents are tired of being dismissed. There also is something about the, you know, these people aren't stupid. They're, they're complicit. You then have to kind of, you have to be completely fair and apply it to yourself. So I'm, you know, I'm not a parent. Let's say I'm a parent in Wacomico County. If I'm making this whole argument, someone should very well make the argument to me. Well, the fact that this is going on means that you allowed it. And I could then argue, no, I didn't know it was happening. Well, what did you do when you found out it was happening? Well, that's when I ran for school board. So, no, you're probably you're probably right. There are probably a lot of parents that didn't know it was happening. If you found out it's happening and ten more years go by, you don't say anything. Now you're complicit, right? There's the sin of omission and the sin of commission. The sin of commission is raping someone. The sin of omission is if I, an able-bodied male, am walking by and see someone getting raped and I do nothing, that's now on me. That is, I didn't act. That is on me. I don't know if that's a legal thing, but certainly a moral thing. So it's, you know, it sucks that it's happening, but at the same time, none of us are are disconnected from this. The system is a is a system of of people that we are all involved with. So if something is going on in a public school, we all do shoulder that burden. Even me, I don't have kids, but I do live in this county. So technically, that's on me. And that sucks to find out. It sucks when you got to look in the mirror and go, oh, fuck. I'm I'm partially to blame for this. That's fine, but then you have to get up and act about it. Exactly. So that's we what I said. Yep, we have some great people that are Darren has Darren has really been the voice, I think of the of the group to flip the school board. And we I mean, we went out and sought good people who wanted to do this and were willing to put themselves out there. So yeah, so, so this effort's been going on for I would say We've really hit hard for about three years on this. So um, because the state will do nothing, you know, we're, we're to have due process and due process is actually used against the citizens. So whether you file an appeal at the local level and kick it all the way up to the top of the state and go as far as the attorney general, or the governor, they kick it right back to the local school system, putting you in an infinite loop, getting nowhere. And if you were to take legal action, they consider it an isolated incident and they're using your tax dollars against you in their defense. And so you're essentially suing yourself. So it never has a, get, gets resolved. So that's why running for office to do it internally is the only way. And our legislators at the state that write legislation, submit legislation or block legislation at the state level, no matter what the state does, we have local control. We have local authority. So 
the only way to protect our citizens in a county, and we're talking about any county in the state, is to have good people on the front line that could push back against the state and the federal government uh, alongside your county sheriff and alongside the, uh, the county uh, state's attorney. We can keep the big government out of our county. And people don't realize that. We have a tremendous amount of power. I say it, I say it over and over again. The school board. It is the most powerful part of the most powerful position in elected government. People say, oh, the school board, that's the they're bottom totally, of the barrel. They're totally autonomous. I mean, they are the, they are the executive, the legislative, and the executive branch of a government. Correct. They have so much power, and for them to dismiss all their power to the superintendent, like we can't do anything, it was just, it was disgusting. Yeah, they have disgusting to say. completely surrendered their power and control to the superintendent, which is not elected by the people, and they hide behind the superintendent. It's unbelievable. And the roles are opposite of that. So in our, in the three years, I'll just tell you, I created, uh, formed an entity called the Delmarva Parent Teacher Coalition. I co-founded that. And it was to establish unity between parents and teachers and really students as well. And what we did is we wanted to expose the truth of what really goes on in the school system. And we did that successfully in three counties. We lifted the veil of deception and they are melting down. The unions are melting down. We've written over 100 articles with exhibits proving and exposing what they're doing in the school system from forced vaccinations, uh, or say coerced vaccinations, which were uh, ordered by uh, certain uh, senators in the state, had to coerce kids into receiving vaccinations, um, all sorts of things that they've done to cover up. And the, the time of saying we didn't know this is happening, that excuse is over. And it's all exposed and there is more. And so it is incredible. And I'm going to say in our recruitment efforts in these three counties, we had workshops, which the central committee should have been doing. We don't hear anything from the central committees, but we recruited school board members. We trained them on their roles or legal roles of a board member to know what a board member does, the extent of their powers. Uh, we also had workshops on how to register to run on the ballot and form their finance campaign finance committee and get a treasurer. We went through all that. Then we had uh, campaign kickoff workshops, how to market themselves, building a website, social media advertising. We did it all, way more than the central committee could possibly do. And we did this, didn't charge anybody a dime. This is our American obligation to take over our schools and we have to do it because it is our absolute future. And another thing I want to show. Oh, wait, let me just add. Let me just add this one thing. This was not done without constant sabotage. Like we we were sabotaged at every angle. And I'm not going to say it was just the Democrats because it was the Republicans too. They sabotaged every effort to get to flip the school board to get rid of the superintendent. I mean, we had our Republicans praising our superintendent as she was on her way out. Just like to hold on to the very last thing. Yes. And so the establishment is great, but it's not that great. And we are proving it to them. So 
One thing that I have here that was important to not only recruiting, but to know your capacity to run is the Maryland, <laughs> the Maryland School Law Desk Book. This is their playbook. They hide behind it, but we know every we know every ounce of our authority as school board members. And when they learned we had this, you should have heard the pin, you could hear a pin drop in the room. We are equipped. We know what's going on. Not even the school board attorneys can tell us what we can and can't do. We know what we can do. And I'm going to tell you, the school board attorneys, they're compromised by the unions. And so we know what's going on, and we need to know our authority and know when we're being played and do what is absolutely right. So the time is now. If we don't get this four years from now, we can't endure four more years of what we have going on because we will never be able to undo the socialist cultural Marxism in our schools. It's that bad. There is a locking in of the system that happens in every tyrannical takeover throughout man is there's a window of time that you can still stop it peacefully, but eventually the interlocking system makes it so it's illegal to take action. And then you say, well, how is it, you know, how is jailing people? Well, that's how the tyrannical places do it is they, they, they go through and then now they say, well, now it's illegal for you to go vote. Now it's illegal. And, and then, it, you know, it's like the quote, you vote yourself into a communist system, you shoot yourself out. But there is also something kind of, there is something sort of good about the fact that it's rotted all the way through. Because one, there's really no other way to learn it, right? I mean, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, if someone said, this is going on in the school board, she's like, yeah, you know, the world's not perfect. And it finally gets to a point you're, where you're like, there's some drag queen with like horns on and blue hair teaching kids about anal fucking. And you're like, dude, what is, you know, you, you bring the holy water. You're like, Lord in heaven, like, and then you have to go change it. But there is a beautiful part. And it's when these things are so corrupted and they're used to working on backroom deals. Just, I'm trying not to laugh. You're laughing. There's no actual competition. <laughs> description <laughs> well th- there is though and yeah, it's i mean yeah. well i remember in college taking organic chemistry and it always used to be that you know everyone would fail there'd be one or two kids who do okay and so the average would they, they'd give like a 30 point curve on the uh, the average and like when i took it i didn't give a shit i studied all the time i didn't drink all i did was study so when i got an a and other people well, they were always so used to going well, we normally just complain because the average is so low. But the professor would be like, this kid got a 99. There is no there is no curve. And then like half the kids would fail. And that's probably why a lot of people didn't finish UGA in four years. I don't care. When there is no legitimate competition, it is much like evolution or natural selection or genetic drifting in that in that system, they may have their sort of nerfed thing. You're not allowed to say these words to each other. You're not allowed to bully. But I mean, I remember my dad would say it when we were like young and we'd be playing basketball in middle school, you know, we'd be on teams and every kid was entitled to like five minutes of playing or something. And, you know, didn't matter how good you were, how bad you were, everybody got to play, which I understand is important up to a certain age. Like you do want to include all the kids, but as you know, we started hitting puberty, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, and we were more competitive and some kids were taller and better. I remember my dad would be like, there are schools, there are like hardcore inner city schools we would play. You know, we're a bunch of white kids at a private Catholic school. We would go play these teams where they didn't give a shit. They all bullied each other. You could tell they fought each other. They had all taken a punch to the face before any of us ever had. And it showed on the court. 
And so whereas our team was nerfed and the other Catholic schools were all kind of nerfed and like, you know, we got to be nice. No, you'd get out there, you'd catch an elbow to the stomach and like the ref didn't see it. And you'd be like, what is that? And they didn't give a shit because that's how they they were dunking it and stuff. And like, to me, that always opened my eyes was like, just because this one system has coddled itself, we don't exist in a vacuum. There are exterior systems that are still becoming like if I if you took like a pug or a, a toy poodle and threw it out into the wild. The wolves don't care. They're not like, well, I shouldn't take its toy. They're going to break its neck. They don't care. And that's like the beautiful sharp edge, the indifferent apathetic edge of evolution. So the point of this whole psychotic rant is if you go into this thing, that is all about, you know, well, we do it this way and it's all about tolerance. You can go in there and when they haven't had a light shined on it in decades or anyone pushing any legitimate, you know, hey, let's see what the parents actually think. There is no competition. So, yeah, I would ex- I would expect nothing less than you guys than to completely dominate them. You go in there. When's the last time anyone's brought anything in light to the to the parents? So you go in there, you go, you know, they're they're teaching about like orgies. They're not they don't know how to defend against that because no one's no one's questioned anything since like the satanic panic of the 80s. So it's it is in your favor. You have 40 years of these becoming soft and round. It's like this, like utopian world that they have created, and any parent who has go destroy it, like yeah, like just I mean, you're all just you know, you're you're out of our utopia world. You you just don't know what you're talking about. You're delusional. There's no evidence. There's no proof. Go away. Yeah, go 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 destroy it. I remember. I know I'm ranting, but like I always remember, like like the red pill I would get, you know, when I would study, and I'd be like, well, an A is good enough. Then I became friends with these two guys. Uh, Obi from Africa and Sung Yup from South Korea, both first generation immigrants, both their parents like barely spoke English. And I remember meeting them and they were studying around the clock, just getting straight A's and working jobs. And I was like, oh, I'm competing to get into medical school against these guys. And then I realized that whereas I lived with a bunch of friends from middle school and high school and we all knew each other. We we're all from the same kind of upper crust neighborhoods. Tell me you don't need to study anymore. You got an A. We were coddling each other. Then I would meet these guys that just had hunger in their eyes. And it dawned on me. I was like, oh, they don't care. If I'm like, so you know, if I got an A, is that good enough? He's like, I live above like a laundromat with my parents. We all share a room. Like I'm becoming a doctor, even if like you have to die in the process. And I was like, that's hardcore and like you realize they don't care and like applying to medical schools you realized when you were there no one cares there was no participation trophy when fifteen thousand people apply to a school and a hundred get in no one cares about your sob story and there is a beauty to that is take their utopia and not literally i'm not calling for violence but i mean take a flamethrower to their like marshmallow utopia Sorry, I know I've been ranting. For- They're gonna melt. Yeah. So, so what I, happens? I get is carried away. The school system and society as a whole—they want to cater to feelings rather than facts. Um, they want to uh, formulate a utopia of an imaginary society that everyone's gonna hold hands and sing kumbaya in a circle. Um, you know that that is not reality, and everyone is gonna have everything their little heart desires. That does not work. That will never happen. Um, and so you have to, like you were explaining with medical school, there's absolutes. You have to learn it. If you're going to be a doctor, you can't, 
give pass goes and then hand a, a surgeon a scalpel. Yeah. scalpel and say, oh, slice away. Good enough. That way. Yeah. So, you know, the same thing with academic proficiency through, you know, pre-K through 12, there are certain things that they need to learn for life skills. And they're going off to college and they're not prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And so we have to prepare them for college or trade school, wherever they're going. Life skills. Um, you know, we talk a little bit about uh, driver's ed, financial literacy, K through 12. Why hasn't that been in the schools? Because they don't want them to have the knowledge. They want them to fall victim to predatory loans. They, they want them to have credit card debt so that they can control them. Uh, we need to equip the citizens so that they are empowered and they can move themselves towards self-sufficiency instead of being dependent on big government. They don't like that about us. They don't like that. And they want to label us the oppressors when, in fact, they themselves are the oppressors and they have been oppressing all along. Plus, there is, again, there is a beauty to having, like, the truth on your side is... Like it will just, it just is, it will just come out. You can cover it up as long as you want. It will, it didn't matter whether or not they like burned, did they, no, they didn't kill Galileo. They burned a Bruno. It doesn't matter if you burn the astronomer at the stake or not. I mean, and it might take a decade. It might take five centuries, but eventually you discover flight and then a satellite. And then you're like, Hey, this thing's round. It just is. There's no covering. You can cover it up for decades or centuries. You can do a pretty good job at it too. Eventually, the truth just comes out. And uh, that is kind of the the beauty of it is you can be you have to be lied to your whole life. And if you have to patch up every lie and you have to put forward this system that it or this idea that it's not your fault, you're being oppressed and it works. It, it feels good. Oh, it's not my fault. They're just mean. But it's I mean, it's like a it's like a shark tasting blood for the first time. It's when you, for the first time in your life, discover that you can change your own world just through hard work or delayed gratification. For me, it was like we'd have like a Lego set when I'd be like seven. We'd eat, you know, me and my three brothers, we each get the same Lego set. And like it would take a couple hours to build, which when you're a kid, it's like it feels like a decade. And I would just stay up through the night building it because I just wanted it to be finished. And the next morning, my like my other brothers wouldn't have it finished yet, and I was like, "Oh wait, if I just push hard, I can, I can have it." Like I didn't play basketball; I never started playing basketball until I was in seventh grade. All of my friends have been playing from kindergarten forward. I sucked; I was the worst kid on the team. And I was like, "Well, you know, there's basketball practice once a week." But I was like, "Fuck that! Why can't I just go home and shoot hoops for like five hours a day?" And that's what I did it like a psychopath for like a year, and then one year I became the best kid. I was a terrible student my entire life. I was literally a, a drunk frat boy my freshman year. And my sophomore year, I was like, I just looked at it like working out. I was like, what if I just did it all day, every day? And then I got into med school. So my point is, is like, it is, you can't unlearn it. You can't unring a bell. Like once you learn Santa's fake, you can never lie to yourself again. So there is something beautiful that they don't want you to show kids, but that you can. It's like, forget everything. No one's oppressing you. If you just, and you can show it by example. Be like, instead of complaining about the school board, we went and changed it. You know, my mom's a badass. She went in there and just upturned the entire system and got everyone fired. Like, you remember that for the rest of your life. You're like, that's, that's hardcore. Like, if I would complain to my parents, I'd be like, I'm not playing enough basketball. You know, someone else might be like, 
you know, it's just, you know, hope your hardest and one day I'll get a chance. My dad will be like, stop sucking, like practice more. I'm like, it's cold out. And he'd be like, wear a sweatshirt. And I'd be like, I can't dribble with the sweatshirt. He'd be like, cut the sleeves off. Like, it's just almost like, shut up. And although it's tough love, you can never unteach that. And I think that's what they don't want. Because these are a bunch of fat, soft people who have never taken responsibility for anything in their life. Which, I mean, it's almost biblical. And that, yeah, eventually it results in decay to where it's just, it always, somehow or another, it always just all ends up with like pedophilia. I don't know how. It seems to be the bottom rung of a decaying society. I don't really know if there's a question in there or if I'm just rambling, but. Uh... Well, it, it ties to a couple of things. And uh, I asked the administration, why are you using these books in the school system? And their answer was to engage young readers. And so, and so in other words, in other words, sex sells. Okay? Engage young readers. Why'd you pick up those kids? I just wanted to show them the puppy in my van. Yeah, and then it makes you wonder, the adults behind that, that would hand obscene materials, and by the way, not many people realize, we have obscenity laws in the state, yeah. obscenity laws in the federal government. Yeah. School systems are exempt from obscenity laws. So they could basically put kids in a classroom, roll in the flat screen, they say roll in the flat, we're used to like um, tube televisions, yeah, being on the, on the, yeah. the classroom, right? pull up the, the screen, and put in a porno movie and they're totally exempt and insulated from from any liability they can do that they're exempt from obscenity laws it's beyond me but this absolutely has to we have to find someone that will take this to the supreme court so that obscenity laws also apply to school systems we have to do it i don't know how we're going to do it but we absolutely have to do it but right now, the first line well, of defense, we can, control, we can control it locally once we get on the board. That would be the long-term goal. But to groom kids, you'd say, well, what? How, why are these adults doing this? They're grooming these kids for their own deviant sexual desires. I can't even comprehend it. Um, I mean, everything is okay. Now, if you want if you're a young boy and you want to be a girl, if you want to be a bird, it's okay. Whatever feels good, whatever feels good in the moment. So by eliminating genders, that's to make it so that anything goes. And I can tell you what happens next with bestiality, uh, with, you know, identities and furries and all that stuff. But that's what they're moving towards. It is, it is disgusting. It is uh, perverted. And as a society, we've got to do what we can to prevent this from advancing. And not, not only that, though, it's once you're an adult, you can do whatever you want in the privacy of your own home. I don't, I don't care what someone identifies with in the privacy of their own. I really don't. Correct. Don't, keep, it, keep the other people you, out of it. That's fine. And if you guys talk about it at dinner with another group of parents, you might just be like, man, y'all are wild. But whatever. It's fine. It's the entire, again, I don't give a shit. And this is, you know, if you, you know, the problem with is like, saying it's x y or z is that's what people will then attack you on oh you're a bigger oh you're no i don't care what you do do it as an adult do it as an adult and leave the kids out of it like let's talk about it in school let's talk about like what why would you why would it why would a teacher want to talk about sexuality why would a science teacher or a history teacher want to talk about sexuality with middle school kids that's bizarre right yeah. you don't want to do that yeah, but there's no boundaries. We're breaking down all boundaries so we can introduce it's, anything to our children. It's kind of like the airport. Like American Airlines isn't anti-Second Amendment. It's just don't bring your gun onto the fucking plane. <laughs> like it's it's not the time or place for that. 
it's the same thing. Like, yeah. I'm not a hobophone or a bigot. Like, this kid doesn't even have braces yet. Like, <laughs> like, stop. And what ultimately it comes down to this is it's a self-evident truth. And all you can do, because you can't just take it over and act tyrannical because then you're no better than them. You're just another tyrant, right? It's it's communism occupying Poland after the Nazis. You're, it's just new management, but it's the same demonic system. Ultimately, all you can do is this, is shine light onto it. If society is worth saving, people will say this is wrong. If parents look at it and go, yeah, whatever, teach them about anal sex when they're 10, then it's then let it, it's done. The thing's coming down. This mm-hmm. is it's the death throes of the nation. Take your kids out, go private school, and the whole thing's ruined. There is a thing that like you have to realize that when I lived in a frat house my sophomore year of college, I remember I was like, I worked so hard to just like clean it up. And I was like, what? we had a pool. I was like, this place could be so cool. And like me and like a couple other guys, maybe like five total, we cleaned it, like repainted everything. We like made the place look great. And we're like, this is, it looks better than it, you know, alumni would come by and be like, dude, this looks better than it's been in 30 years. But eventually you had to realize that like, there was no external forces ruining it. There was just a bunch of guys in the fret house that didn't give a shit. They're like, yeah, I don't really care if it's rotting or not. And that's when I realized this thing can't be saved. This whole thing is not worth saving. What am I doing? Why am I putting effort into this? Fuck all y'all. I'm going to transfer schools and go be a doctor. It's not worth saving. And that's the thing is you have to look at what is and what is not worth saving. And so all you can really do is shine a light on it. And if nine out of 10 parents are like, yeah, I think it's kind of interesting. They're teaching five-year-olds about grown men dressing up as puppies and having sex with each other. It's like, well, you know, America, we had a good run, but like cover it with gas, burn it. It's over. It's time to leave. That's really all you can do. They're almost just sort of a simplicity. Now, it's easy for me to say I don't have kids, so I'm not looking at, you know, what society am I leaving them? But I was going to say, you got to think about that, though, too, Tommy, when you say that is I don't. Yeah, I don't have kids. Like this is the future of America. We're talking about just saying here, I'm going to shine light. And if they get it, they don't. I mean, we're not at that. When you're talking about our kids, you're you're never going to come to that. You can never say, well, it's not worth saving because it's like, well, then what are you doing for your Now where do you go? Yeah, I guess I should clarify. Everything they're after, our houses, our businesses. I mean, it's a complete undermining of America and the American dream. And so we need to do whatever. But you're right. November 8th is going to show where we are as a society, not just on the school board level, but all the way up to the state, where we are as a society. And, and we are sick right now. And we just oh, yeah. hope there's enough citizens that say, no, we can't have this. And if, if let's just say it goes in a, in a very bad direction, we'll know where we're at, where we're at. So as a society, and then we have to retool. Um, but as long as, my heart is beating and we're walking on this earth. We are going to fight it to the last breath. And that's exactly the mindset you have to push forward. If not, that is the very thing that is worth preserving is the idea that you're not going to give up. And so I should clarify when I say, oh, that that system's dead. No, I mean like public school. And it's like that thing is done. You need to withdraw, do homeschooling or do private schooling. But you have to look at it and go, but, you know, there's a there's a reason we get to it's like that quote, like no one raindrop thinks it's responsible for the flood, but no one raindrop is any more responsible for the flood than anything else. Well, you are the rain, you know, 
when you know when you're sitting in traffic you go i'm stuck in traffic no you are traffic your your car is there too you're part of the headlight like just cascade of red lights in order to see a completely depraved kind of morally corrupt backwards disgusting predatory system we live in if you look at it if you darren or nicole or myself look at it and go well i'm not responsible for this well how come you're not well i've just been doing my thing i've been working jobs and paying taxes and you have a girlfriend and you have a dog and you go to college and just whatever just all the little things in life well then that you have to extend that justification to everyone else and then once it's extended to everyone else you go well we still have a problem in which case you realize oh we are all responsible for it and the the silver lining is is well, if I'm responsible for it and I actually didn't know it was happening, it's kind of embarrassing, but we just got to roll up our sleeves and do some work. Then that also applies to most people. It's we're all responsible for the decaying of this. Well, it's not me. I'm only 32. What about your parents? Are your parents? No, my parents are wonderful people in their 60s. Or if it wasn't them, was it your grandparents? No, they're even better people. So who was it? Well, it was someone. Well, what if someone was maliciously doing it? Well, we didn't act. Well, that's on us. So there's also that sort of point of reckoning, right? You look in the mirror, you don't fit into a pair of jeans you used to. Ultimately, it's no one's fault. You go, all right, maybe I got to stop at the McDonald's. And it's a, it's a shitty moment, but it's the first start of change is when you realize that you're responsible for it. So I think that is the silver lining of all of this. So if we look at, you know, drag queens dressed as demons reading, reading stories to five-year-olds and you go, how did we get here? Hey, man, look in the mirror. That's how we got here. And you go, oh, fuck. All right. All right. You know, it's all right. That's my fault. I, I got to do this. Right. Who who punched a hole in the wall last night? You were shit faced and you punched a hole in the wall and you, your hands bruised. And you're like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. So that's the silver lining is like it can't be changed. Again, I don't really know what I'm ranting about. And I'm sure you guys are second guessing coming on here. But uh, <laughs> this is the whirlwind of my podcast. Very insightful. How old are you, Tommy? Excuse me. How old are you? I'm 32. If you can't tell, I I barely hold it together. I just start screaming. And (laughs) somehow people watch it and subscribe and they write off my insanity as insight, which is wonderful, wonderful of them. We um, talk about real issues. Yeah. There's no no sugarcoating it. Yeah, I I just don't care primarily about about sugarcoating. I just don't care. It's kind of a waste of time. But it's also like... um, I guess we'll kind of wrap it up with this is like there is a beauty and also remembering that like the kids are not like a neutral thing. I don't know how to word this. Not in that like you don't need to look after them. You do. They are innocent. There are predators. But like kids can also be helpful in this sort of thing. Like when you're a kid, you're always going to reject what you're told just because you know if you're a kid and your parents are like don't listen to eminem well that's the first thing i'm gonna do it's me and my other 12 year old friends singing like slim shady that's just what you're gonna do don't play grand theft auto well that's exactly what we're all gonna do we're going over to joe's house in eighth grade and we're running around a city with like a katana stabbing people that's what we're gonna do and there's a beauty in that deep down you know that you're just like screw these people so I do kind of see that as like maybe the wild card that no one's no one's predicting is 
there are a lot of kids out there who maybe won't one day understand until they're older why what they're doing is great. But purely out of the fact that they're just shithead kids are going to be like, yeah, I'm told to uh, not be homophobic and uh, to be furry friendly. Just because an adult told you that. Like I see kids that are in my son's class irritated by the fact that teachers ask them their pronouns they're personally yeah. offended by it and it's Just not they've been told for so long you need to be respectful of everyone's pronouns. And it's, no, it's not even some like it's yeah. not even some like grander understanding of like where this is going it's because you're it's when i, I went to private catholic school kid, for 12 yeah. years you're not allowed to have your hair over your ears your eyebrows <laughs> or your collar so i had my hair exactly to that point <laughs> every day i had my mom trim it once a week just because it was like, fuck you, I'm going to do this. <laughs> this second I got to college and I realized no one gave a shit, it's been this short since. I don't care. I was like, oh, I just like this more. So by virtue of the fact that kids are just kind of assholes, someone's like, you need to be fr- like furry friendly. They're going to be like, shut up, homo. Just because they're a kid. It's just <laughs> what it is. And it's like, hey, man, I listened to Eminem because I wasn't allowed to. Not because there was some grand idea about freedom of speech and expression. It was no, I was like nine years old and was like, I'm going to listen to Slim Shady because mom said I can't. So there is some beauty in that is that you do kind of have the natural nature of kids on your side. They, they're being told you have to use the proper pronouns. No, I'm not, I'm not going to purely because you told me to. I don't know. Yes, forced assimilation or forced affirmation. That's what the school system is doing. That's where they're going wrong. And we're to respect everybody. We shouldn't bully anybody. But it's when the school system forces that, just like you're saying, the kids are going to do opposite of that. As parents, we're going to teach our kids and as a school system, we're going to teach them responsibility, respect, um, discernment, know the consequence, cause and effect. Yeah. If you choose this path, it will result in this. If you choose this path, it will result in this. And let them make a decision for themselves. But, you know, there's a, a point where the school system and where society will cross that line. Yeah. And that's where our kids need us to help them discern and to keep what is righteous. With that, I say we uh, we wrap this one up. Uh, I appreciate y'all's patience with me. I know I'm wildly unhinged and i swear terribly and i don't really censor anything and you know maybe talking about like kids and school boards wasn't the best episode for me to be talking the way i normally talk but i don't it's where we're at (laughs) it's authentic that's all i got that's my defense um but yeah so i think that's kind of beautiful that you know this is just a this is a microcosm of one county in one state and it's really anyone can do this and it ultimately comes down to is like maybe you didn't know about this and that sucks but it's where we are now if you do have a kid and you're in somewhere in california or ohio or whatever well once you know now it is your responsibility it's now it is a sin of omission if you know what's going on you don't do anything now it is on your back maybe you aren't responsible for the degradation over decades but once you know about it and you don't do anything, now you are directly complicit. So, you know, I don't think you guys plan. I don't think you guys, when you were little, you planned on doing this. It's not like this is something you trained for, right? It's, uh, yeah, I started this podcast three years ago. This wasn't something I went to school for. You, you can just get involved and do something. And uh, I think you guys have shown that. And I think it's beautiful. And uh, 
Plus, you just kind of have to. I mean, these people are pedophiles. Like, yep, you can't not. You can't not do like it. You really can't not do something. So I don't know. If you do something, you're complicit. If not, I don't know. Closing thoughts, Darren. Well, I can tell you that the establishment, the school system, the unions, they're very nervous. They're very nervous, but we are determined to move forward and we are going to do what we have to do. Mm-hmm. Nicole, closing thoughts. And I think too, when, whenever you said that about being being a racist and being labeled, I think that we're now tone deaf to that. Yeah. It just does, we've been called, it's like I've been called a racist, a homophobe, um, I've been called a misogynist and I'm a woman and I've been hearing that for four years. And so I I mean, people are now tone deaf to it. When you call everybody that you're just like, well, okay, then I guess everybody is. I've been called a a xenophobic, xenophobic German Nazi. I'm I'm Irish. (laughs) I'm an Irish Catholic. What? I don't even know what, I don't even know what that means. Like, I don't, (laughs) huh? What are you talking about? So it is, that's the thing. It's like I was t- telling the story earlier about how racist Valdosta was. I don't think I can convey it anymore because no one even knows what that term means. Like, was it really racist? What do you mean? Was it racist in that there was a white guy there? I'm like, no, there, it racism in the act. And that is kind of hilarious. It's like, it's the boy who cried wolf. There is no real meaning to those words anymore. You, I don't think you would know what a racist misogynist really was. Like that's, I don't know. Well, yeah. All right. Thanks, Tommy. Guys, thank you so much for coming on. I'll send you all this episode when it's up. And I'd love to have you guys back on sometime. And uh, thank you for doing what you do and keep doing what you do. And uh, yeah, you got to be part of the solution, not the problem. So thank you so much. God bless.